Hello everybody and welcome to Battlefront Radio. This is our third entry in season one of the Battlefront Radio podcast. Today we're going to be talking about the functionality of women in ministry. And today I am uh, Joshua McCormick. I am media director and a worship leader at Battlefront Church here based in Sparta, Tennessee, uh, where our head pastors are Sean and Ginger McCormick. And today I am joined by... Curtis. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, hi guys. Uh, I'm Curtis. You've met me before. I'm the associate pastor at Butterfront Church in Sparta, Tennessee. Uh, it's just a great to see you guys again and just want to introduce myself. Go ahead, Joshua. Yeah, so like I said, we're going to be talking about women in ministry. There's a lot of uh, misconceptions and uh, really false teaching, like coming to it where uh, scripture has over time just gotten twisted whether it's by culture misogynism whatever it may be and uh today we felt like the lord you know wanted us to come on here do a whole show on it and uh really set things straight i mean because one you know my parents are co-pastors and uh that's that's a man and a woman so i mean obviously i think you guys can get what we believe about it. And we're going to tell you exactly why. So Curtis, just take it away. All right. So I guess I want to start off with prayer. First off, uh, we want to let the Holy spirit, uh, in our services at battlefront, when we preach, when we teach, when we do our podcast, when we do evangelism, when we do anything, we want the Holy spirit in the middle of everything. We want the Holy spirit to help us and guide us. And so, and we want that to be known. We want, we want our weaknesses to be laid bare like Jesus. His he, his wounds healed us. We want to, we want to be, we want to be weak so that He could be made strong. And so, let's go ahead and pray. God, we just want to thank you so much for all that you've been doing in our lives. Please just take us out of the way and interject your Spirit, God. Interject yourself into this message, God. If this, this message that you have breathed through the disciples 2,000 years ago, God, just let us just state the facts, and I pray that the eyes will be opened, ears will hear what your spirit is saying to the churches today for women who have been oppressed by men in leadership roles in the church and we we want to stand with them today and we want to stand on their side so that they can serve God the way God wants him wants them to serve in the name of Jesus amen and so amen. Joshua I want to start off by saying some just a few things what we're not trying to do we're not trying to say that women there should be no men in charge and that women should be fully in charge and that men have no unique attributes and that women men and women are all identical and there's no differences in gender we're not we're not talking about feminism or any of that those things we are simply stating that women have a role and that role is leadership role in the church as an evangelist as a pastor as a teacher, as a preacher, and as a prophet. Those roles. And we're not even going into some people don't even believe in those roles in the church. But we believe women can operate in those roles. We're not, we're, we're, I think 
we're limiting this to ministry. We're not talking about women in the home. We're not talking about in the family. We are, we are uniquely talking about women in ministry. And so, Joshua, I know that you wanted to start it off with uh, Joel chapter 2 and Acts chapter 2. So I want you just to go ahead and just let's start with that. I just feel led to really read that first off. Yeah, awesome. Definitely, definitely, definitely. All right. So uh, like I would like to start off just by reading uh, Acts uh, 2.16 here. And uh, let me just pull it up on my phone real quick. So this is the, the Passion Translation. This is what I will do in the last days. This is a prophecy from Joel, uh, about 500 years uh, B.C. is when this prophecy was written. And this is Peter, the context, is that on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit is being poured out. Uh, he says that this is that of the prophet Joel, for God says, this is what I will do in the last days. I will pour out my spirit on everybody, all flesh, and I will cause your sons and daughters to prophesy, and your young men will see visions, and your old men will experience dreams from God. The Holy Spirit will come upon Hallelujah. My holy, the Holy Spirit will come upon all my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. So it says, uh, like uh, in most translations, say all my men servants and maid servants. So that means both genders going to prophesy. So it's important, like to define here, what is prophecy? Uh, there are some people and groups and sects and denominations that believe uh, prophesying is just. The spoken word is just preaching, but if we actually go and look at like the biblical definition in like Strong's Greek Dictionary of what uh, prophecy is, and the New Testament is what I'm like focused on right here. Here are some of the definitions to prophesy, to be a prophet, speak forth by divine inspirations to ber to predict with the idea of foretelling future events pertaining especially to the kingdom of God, to utter forth, declare a thing which can only be known by divine revelation, to break forth under sudden impulse and lofty discourse, or praise the of the divine counsels, or under like prompting to teach, refute, reprove, comf or comfort others, or lastly, to act as a prophet, discharge the prophetic office. So that is like the definition. So when we're talking about prophecy, I mean, we could really do an entire episode or segment, talk about prophecy sometime, which I think would be a cool thing to do. But when we're talking about prophecy, it's the divine utterance of the Holy Spirit, either uh, giving you a word of prophetic means of foretelling something that can happen or uh, even a spoken word of warning or encouragement where uh, something only God can know and it'll uh, use somebody to prophesy over you is uh, like another means of like what we're talking about. But see, see how it says your um, men and women alike, they will prophesy. And then in the earlier in the verse, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh and I'll cause your sons and daughters to prophesy. Amen. 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 Can you guys hear me well? Yeah, pretty well. 
Okay. Amen. And then I know you, you, I think along that same vein of prophecy, um, in the new Testament, there's examples of seven daughters of Philip. Do you want to go ahead and read that scripture for us, Joshua? Uh, do you already have it pulled up? <laughs> I don't. It's Acts chapter 21, verse 8. Okay, I gotcha. Well, you can go and I'll, I'll pull it up and you can, you can just get, continue talking. Along the same note, I, the, one of the, the things I wanted to start off with is some of the objections to women in the ministry is 1 Timothy chapter 2, and it, it talks about women being silent in the church. And I think towards the end of this broadcast, we definitely want to answer some of those questions and kind of define what Paul really was stating when he was writing that letter to Timothy uh, to the church of Ephesus. Um, but what I want to, I, I really want to emphasize to some of the listeners, some of the listeners may not understand some basic uh, hermeneutical principles. That's just a fancy word for saying, how does one interpret scripture? And one thing that you don't do is you don't take an obscure text that only appears one time. That means Paul only said something about it once and then disregard all of the other evidences of women in, the, in, in his other epistles and how he affirms them one by one in different ministry roles. You can't take that verse. Um, I'm, not a, I'm not a scholar by no means. Um, I just like to read. And it is, it is no mystery that that passage, 1 Timothy chapter 2, is one of the hardest uh, passages to translate into the English just because of just meaning itself. Uh, mm-hmm. Joshua, are you still there? Yeah. Okay, everything cut off. So it is, it is very difficult to translate that. And so, but that is, the, that is one of the main verses that is used against women. One of the most hard, the most difficult verses to translate. And we have good explanation for the context of that verse. But it is, we can't, we can't negate the fact that it is the most difficult verse to translate. And yet is the one that is used to oppress women in the ministry. And I, 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 I definitely don't shy away from that word, oppress women, because I believe that women should have the right to stand up and preach and share God's word. And I think that men need to affirm it uh, the same way, um, the same way that God, the Father, God, Jesus and the Holy Spirit, the helpmate, how they work their 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 they are Trinity and they are co-laborers together in the Trinity. They're all God. I believe that there's something to that being the imagers or Im- image bearers of God in the church and man and woman working together to establish the kingdom of God on earth as it already is in heaven. Not that there's any feminine attributes or male attributes attributed to the Trinity. I'm not trying to go in that, that, that angle or whatever. I'm not trying to go there. I'm just trying to say that they work together yet. They both, they all have the same authority mm-hmm. and that, does that make sense? What I'm trying yeah. to say, they, 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 they co-labor together. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I wanted to I, I wanted to start off with just stating that one verse and that we will get to that verse um, that women should keep silent in the church and what that verse means. 
But what I wanted to start off the conversation with was, first off, we see that God, part of his redemptive plan was to send the, the comforter, the helper, the helpmate to us. And that that is the Holy Spirit. And part of that is that women and men, old and young, get to prophesy. They have ministry duties. Not everybody holds a, a certain office, and we're going to get into that. But they, they are prophesying. They are not keeping silent in the church. And so I, I, I wanted to mention that, and then I'm going to throw the ball back to you with Philip's daughters in Acts chapter 21. Yeah. All right. Um, so uh, you, you said in verse 8 is where you wanted to start at? That's what I have written down. I'm not sure. I don't have it opened up. All right. So whatever you feel. Does that uh, matter the particular translation? It does not matter. All right. Verse 8. Um, then we went on to a city I have no idea how to pronounce. Maybe you can help me out, Curtis. And stayed for several days in the home of Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven deacons and the father of four unmarried daughters who prophesied. Amen. And also, Curtis, uh, your uh, webcam has been freezing a lot. It's been freeze froze for past like thirty seconds. Uh, it just came back, but <laughs> okay. So I'm back. And so, so you just mentioned that. Is there anything you want to share about that verse? Uh, no, no. Go ahead. Okay. So the first, the uh, there's something that I learned. On my on my journey to kind of looking into the scriptures on what the word actually said about women and just kind of actually kind of focusing in on like when women appear in the Bible, when they do appear, what are they doing and things of that nature. And one of the things I came across listening to a lecture was the fact that Mary and Martha, the story that we hear, we hear if you want some reference in Luke chapter 10. Uh, Mary and Martha, we, we hear the story that Mary was at the feet of Jesus and that Martha was working and slaving, doing what a woman should be doing. And we see that Jesus affirms Mary and what she's doing as she is sitting at the feet of Jesus. And what's key about sitting at the feet of Jesus that I didn't catch on to, but what a first century Jew or a first century person would understand is that when you're sitting at the feet of somebody, you are taking the position or the posture of a disciple. You are taking the your posture of where a man culturally would still be. And so she was being prepared. What they would when they would say like Paul was at the feet of Gamiel, he was being prepared to take that position. And so she was being prepared to be a rabbi. And what rabbi means is that she was being prepared to be a teacher. She was going to go out, and Jesus affirmed that she was going to go out and teach the Word of God, not just to women. I hear that a lot, but to men and women alike. He was affirming that. And so we see that in the story of Mary and Martha. Uh, another thing is we see that the gospel itself, we see that Mary, the mother of Jesus, the gospel starts with Gabriel coming and giving the 
the birth, the virgin birth, and she literally carries the word. She is impregnated with the word of God. She bears Jesus, God himself, within her. There is no way. Everything that, when, when she speaks, she, she prophesies over John the Baptist. John the Baptist literally gets filled with the Holy Spirit to Elizabeth. Joshua, are you still there? I can't even tell if my thing's still on. Yeah, or is it is it frozen for you or something? It's just black. Huh. But I'm going to keep going on. Um, and so we see that at the very end, when Jesus dies on the cross, we see also that women were able to be close. We see culturally that women were not we were not feared. They were able to be there with the crucifixion, where men were. Were, were feared they they feared being arrested but women could be right there at the intimate time of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ we see that women also were there when Jesus before Peter was restored back to the fold before Jesus was, or before Peter was restored by Jesus back because he denied three times before the disciples ever saw him he appeared to a woman What's so important about appearing to a woman at that day and time is that women were at culturally were not regarded in the Jewish culture regarded as an eyewitness. This also is a makes a strong case for the hist, the historicity if that if that's if I pronounce that right the historicity of the gospel message itself. The fact yeah. that the gospel message no one would manufacture such a message, even though even we see like in later manuscripts later down the road, they try to even kind of recant and take some of that female aspects out of the message. But it remains 2000 years later. It still remains. They were the first people to take the word of God and pronounce the good news that he is alive we can never. I, I want to take a. I want to take a a, a a resurrection break for a minute. I know we're talking about women, but the key message, the gospel message that we proclaim every single day that we are alive, is that Jesus Christ is alive. Jesus Christ has resurrected from the dead, and he's the first fruits of a resurrection. And that same resurrection power that raised him from the dead will raise us from the dead one day again. It sounds crazy to the world, but they are following the devil, their own master. But we follow Jesus, our, our living, raised-again Savior. And guess what? Women are the first people to proclaim that message. They were the very first. You can't you can't take it away from them. Peter wasn't there. The other guys were not there. Mary and the other ladies. I don't. Even, I, I didn't. I didn't study good enough to know who else was there. But they were women. They proclaimed the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You don't get any more preachier than that. You don't get any more spreading the news more than they preached to the disciples or the apostles of the of our Christ. Amen, man. Um, amen, amen. God, you are just good. And so I just, we want to affirm the fact that women are called to preach. My daughter, Rayma Sophia, by the age of, she's only six, she's not seven yet, has felt a burden. She said about a month ago, I don't know, I think she told Pastor Ginger, she said, 
I, I feel like I want to be a pastor one day. That is, can only be birthed through the Holy Spirit. I don't hear any a lot of other seven-year-olds <laughs> proclaiming they want to be a pastor one day. I don't see other other people like Joshua and other uh, young people when they're in the presence of God going uh, going to the altar and praying, proclaiming the word of God, singing, dancing, praising God. I will stand on this message for of uh, Jesus Christ of liberating everybody, not just man, not just so that we can feel good and we can just run a church or whatever. I We want to proclaim it to the slave. We want to proclaim it to the free. We want to proclaim it to the young, the old. Everybody is included. It is a very inclusive, counter-cultural message of Jesus Christ that is bringing everyone back into the fold and reconciling all things back unto him, to Jesus Christ, because he is alive. He Amen. is alive. Joshua, yeah. what do you got? I'm throwing it back to you, brother. All right. So, I, yeah, like along the same lines of everything Curtis just said, I think this scripture fits in well, and that's Galatians uh, 3.28. And uh, in verse 28, it says, And we no longer see each other in our former state. And I, I want to pause right there. And I think another thing you could you could add to that scripture when it says we no longer see each other in a former state, even in that culture and time, like Curtis was saying, you can't manufacture like you wouldn't want to manufacture a story where women were the first to see something. Because in that uh, in like Greek and Jewish law, the the voice or the eyewitness of women was uh, essentially nothing. Uh, they could only they only wanted to trust a man. I believe even like the uh, I could be wrong. This could be could be like another law in the Quran or something. But uh, I believe it was a Jewish law where like it would have to be like t a two women's uh, eyewitness to be the equivalent of one man. It was like two or four women to be the equivalent of one man. So we no longer see each other in our former state. We see. We no longer see each other in our former state, Jew or non-Jew, rich or poor, male or female, because we're all one through our union with Jesus Christ, with no distinction between us. And since you've been united to Jesus the Messiah, you are now Abraham's child and inherit all the promises of the kingdom realm. There's no, there's no male or female. We're all one in Christ. Sure, we might have different giftings and functions at times, but every single one of us, when it comes to ministry, can function in whatever gift or calling or office God calls us to. And I think that's Amen. what you have to do. When you, you have to rightly divide the Word of God. Like Curtis was saying, you can't form, you shouldn't form an entire theology around one verse, and a verse that is very hard to translate into English, and we'll get into that in a second as well, I'd like to, and form an entire theology and doctrine that oppresses an entire other group on when there is so much more out there. And I think I think in the next, you know, 20 years, 10, 20 years, who knows, maybe even five, with just the, just the advancement of knowledge and uh, the advancement of, like, how easy it is to get your hands on what... The Greek actually says, and people, when people, when women are, are in churches where 
they are uh, condemned for having the desire to preach, they're going to start going online. They're going to be doing studying. They're going to realize, wait, it's not it's not wrong to have this desire that the, the original Greek says this. That's not what my King James says. That's not what my ESV says. That's not what any like Bible I've read or been preached to says this. This this is amazing. This all makes sense. It's like a puzzle. That puzzle piece just got put in together. So that makes sense why there was prophetess in the Bible. And, and in Romans 16, how you're going to talk about uh, there, there's all sorts of women in ministry. And whether it's a prophet or an evangelist or a preacher or a deacon, every single or one an of apostle. them operated through it. Or an apostle. Like, that's, that's pretty much the greatest of them all, working in signs and wonders. <laughs> Hallelujah. But, amen, uh, amen. Wow. And uh, I would like to, before I throw the ball back to you, um, you know, First Timothy like two eleven and my face cam is gonna cut off for a second here. First Timothy two eleven um, is like the verse we're talking about. By the by the way, and I'm just gonna read it out real real quick. Um, this is the Amplified version. A woman must quietly receive instruction with all submissiveness. I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet in the congregation. So. This is the verse that we are talking about uh, today and explaining, and uh, we're gonna uh, we're gonna get into the cultural context for that in a moment because it seems counterdictive to everything we're talking about, doesn't it? But like I said, when you get into the original Greek, which I would like to read off right now, here we are. So we. A woman should learn in quietness and in full submission. What most translations pretty much say. That's First Timothy 2.11. So we see in the Greek, and I have the Greek pulled up on my phone right here. You can go and read this for yourself. So the word quietness pretty much means in the Greek, calmness, self-control, proper, proper posture of a learner. And then full submission means as to a teacher or having self-control, which is to be an attribute of all believers. Okay, it's, an, it's supposed to be an attribute of all believers. We see that in Ephesians 5 and 21 and then Philippians 2 and 3. And so when it says a full submission, like every believer should be as to, un, to a teacher having self-control. Everybody should be having yeah, calmness yeah. and self-control. Last time I checked, that was a fruit of the spirit, wasn't it, Curtis? <laughs> it was. It is. That's what. It, that is what it feels like to be plugged in. Uh, God even, or the Word of God even tells us that. How do you know if you are plugged in? Well, you have the fruit of the spirit. You you have the, these signs or this. You bear fruit. Amen. Uh, right. Bear fruit. That's for another message. Keep going. Yeah, but uh. Yeah, I'll go ahead and uh, like share this too, uh, right quick. So, why is Paul saying this specifically to the women? If this applies to all bel- believers, because he, like he does say, a woman should learn. Not saying that women should learn, uh, that men shouldn't learn this too. But once we see the cultural context, where was this letter sent to? Ephesus. What was going on in Ephesus at this time? If we look at Greek history. At this specific time, what was going on? Well, one, we had like laws and stuff where women were like were uh, well educated, like a man. And uh, Curtis, I think, said earlier that uh, uh, 
they weren't supposed to up interrupt service because they in that culture weren't able to learn the stuff and they should go home and ask their husbands instead because in that culture the husbands the men were able to get education but and then another key factor was in the city of Ephesus where the letter of Timothy was written to and that what this verse is being written to the church of Ephesus there was a thing called the temple of Diana at Ephesus okay so this was a Greek god temple dedicated to Artemis, the Greek god of, and this was the Greek god of fertility, the hunt, wild animals, the moon, and uh, chastity. Excuse me. And um, so what was going, this is basically a giant cult, okay? And you can like Google like what the temple looks like I did earlier. And so this had major influence over the city of Ephesus at this period of time. I think around like uh, 10 AD, somewhere in there. I, th I, I could be wrong, but it, it's somewhere in there. And this had massive, massive influence. And what was going on at this temple? Since it was a goddess, not a god, it was a Greek goddess, that this entire temple and re uh, religion, really, its cult was ran by women. And not only was it just a religious practice there, but... Uh, they also sold prostitution and sex and all courts of sexual immorality in this temple. This is all like true in the city of Ephesus at the same time this letter was written. And so it really, uh, once you learn these historical contexts and these historical truths, it really comes into play and the puzzles just fall right together because there was all sorts of sexual immorality. That's why Paul, uh, uh, he's saying to these these specific, not all women, these specific Ephesus women of the church in Ephesus don't assume because in that city, it was assumed that women should have power over a man and be able to teach over a man. So Paul's like, okay, we're all on a level playing field here. Okay. So that's basically what he's saying. So Curtis, go ahead, man. No, you did great, man. I mean, you just, as far as, uh, being silent in the church, you know, you, you nailed it. You nailed that passage completely. Um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think where to go from there. I mean, <laughs> really? I know, you know, the education of the women, uh, going back at that time, you know, another reason why a possible reason why Paul would be addressing just that passage. We don't see Paul addressing the Corinthians, we don't see Paul addressing the Galatians or the Philippi. We don't see him addressing these other churches in mm -hmm. Asia Minor with this same question. We just see him addressing Ephesus. Um, another thing to note, a part of that is that this is this is like one of the witchcraft, most demon, demonically possessed areas of the modern world at the time. We see that. Uh, in the book of Acts, we even see that they like take all of their witchcraft books when they, when Ephesus people get in Ephesus get saved and they start burning them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I would even say that maybe even some of these women probably did know how to read or probably were educated. I haven't read that anywhere. I'm just I'm speculating at this time. That's maybe something we can look up. But um, it it was it's very important to know that. Um, these women uh, needed to be silent. One of the one of the reasons being is because, let's say, if they were uneducated, 
Let's just let's take that route. If they were uneducated women, they did not know the Torah. They did not know that at that time. That's that's the first five books of the Bible. All Jews at that time would have known. But these are these are not Jews. These are non. These are Greeks. These are non-Jew believer, Jewish believers. Maybe there are some Jews mixed in. Maybe it's a mixed congregation or a, it's a, a house church. I don't know how big the church is, but God or Paul is trying to set order, and so. Uh, it has been described, I heard a, on another part of the lecture was that uh, it would be like a elementary, like, be like my seven-year-old daughter going into a church service with scholars and just trying to ask the most elementary questions during a lecture. She would be asking, she just doesn't know how to read, so she'd be asking, well, what is that? What, how come I don't have any pictures? And she'd be bored out of her mind or she'd be saying things. That she she's just out of her element completely because there are fundamental uh, aspects that she does just does not know yet, and right. so these women were in that same category as a young person going into a church or even somebody that's never read the Word of God and they just newly got saved and it is just a, a wide open world for them now. They don't even know who Noah is. They don't know Adam and Eve. They don't know all of this huge, vast amount of characters and visual uh, uh, stories and letters and all of this ways to navigate. They don't know this stuff. And so Paul, uh, Paul is saying at this time, well, the men at this time were, were probably more educated, most likely were because of the, of the culture. Go home and let, ask your husbands these questions. Ask them so that we're not wasting time with all of these distractions and all of these interruptions. I can, like I think we we've talking before. I've no, I've we've been there in services where somebody may be innocent and in like even asking a question, but like when you're in the middle of a sermon, I'm not going to raise my hand and say, "Hey, I got a question." Yeah, even though that happens. Mm-hmm. And it's happened before, you know what I mean? And if anybody's listening to this and, and you have done that, I don't mean to call you out, but don't <laughs> do it anymore. <laughs> it's just, it totally just dis- disrupts the flow. It's like, almost like, it's just like everyone, it just, it just disrupts. It, the, it, it does not operate in order. And that is the, I, I, I really truly believe that's what Paul is getting at in this verse is yeah. he is addressing order in the church especially if this is a small house church, which most of the churches were small house churches with smaller or uh, smaller congregations coming together. And then you have people saying, Hey, I know you're preaching the word right now. I know you're prophesying, but I, but you know, the Lord did this or did that, or just, you know, just interrupting. Mm-hmm. Not that it's not that it is uh, people don't genuinely want to know what you have to ask or anything. It's just that's not the time or the place. Right. Yeah. I hope that really came out clear. I don't know if it did or not. Yeah, I think it did. Um, and so that that's how I, I really truly feel about that verse. Um, it is a highly debated verse. Um, scholars way smarter than us. I know we, we I, I used that phrase last time. They're just they 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 all they often debate this verse and they all are in agreement that this verse is hard to translate into English. It's hard to really know what they're really what Paul's really saying. And so to go back to the very beginning to to negate and we're about to read my 
it is this this verse is going to becoming one of my favorite verses. And I didn't even know it really existed until about a week ago. Romans chapter sixteen to negate all of what Paul is saying about women, all of the the women that he affirmed, all of the times that he says he says in in First Corinthians he says that when women prophesy, they should they should wear a head covering, and we'll talk about head coverings. But he said when they prophesy, that means he expects women to prophesy. He doesn't expect them to be quiet. So why does we why do we see that contradiction? It's because he, like you said prior to what I just said, it's because he was addressing a certain church and certain problems that only needed to be addressed at certain at a certain church. Does that mean that it's not for us today? Well, we can use those same principles about, uh, like I just said, we address that even with men who yeah. raise their hand in the middle of a sermon or women if they raise their hand in the middle of a sermon. I, I've probably done the same thing. Hey, you know, I'm raising my hand, you know, interrupting service and interrupting the flow and the order of church. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have anything you want to share before I go into Romans 16? Yeah, I mean, uh, like uh, you just said like a few sentences ago that uh, it, I lost my train my train of thought for a second. You just said like a few uh, sentences ago that uh, it like it was it was for them. Right, like what? What'd you say? What? Like, can you uh, rewind? I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit addict. I'm losing my train of thought right here. <laughs> it's, it's no, no, no problem. You were talking about uh, like uh, how it, uh, how, what we can take from it today. So, if if I were to apply that verse today, it would be that anybody, anybody who is unlearned or they don't know the proper order of worship in church. That means that like a young kid, like my kids had to learn how to sit still in church. They had to learn when it's time to worship, it's time to worship. When it's time for the preacher or the pastor to give a word, it's not time to raise your hand and ask questions. It's not time for us to interrupt the flow of the Holy Spirit. And, and, it, we, and like I said, it could be innocent or it could be, it could be, something sincere like we want to share a testimony but there's always a time and a place ecclesiastes mm-hmm. says this perfectly there's a time and a season for all things and yeah. we should we should follow that order and i believe that paul is addressing that with the women at that time because they were interrupting because of their lack of education mm-hmm. because of their lack of understanding of what was going on that's not the case for all women that was the case for the the women in the church of Ephesus that he was addressing that church at, yeah. with that very specific reason. Mm. I think there's kind of a parallel there too with, uh, you know, the Bible talks about bond servants and slaves and like the guidelines for, for that and the culture. Do we have that today, Curtis? Uh, no, I don't, I, not, not in the Western world here. Not, a, not in the Western world. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a clear distinction right there, but but we don't have that in developed society. We can still like go back and uh, learn uh, certain lessons, you know, from those verses, just like how we can in First Timothy. But um, so like my personal conviction and how I uh, think and I feel and uh, discern about it is, you see, God will work with the culture. He'll because He seeks us out. 
He, kn- he knows how we are, and he also knows how to get us out of being how we are. So, uh, so slaves, I don't think God's ever been okay with slaves. He literally set free, you know, like probably millions of uh, Hebrews back in uh, like the days of Moses and stuff from Egypt because yeah. yeah. they were under slavery. God wasn't cool with that. He let them, he let them all go. He made a way. So even uh, back in Greek, now the slaves were a little bit different. It was like a bond servant type deal, which I'm not going to get into. But I still don't think God was very cool with that. But he says, okay, I see your culture, but I'm setting these guidelines. So eventually that will lead out of being this way in this culture. Does that makes, do you think, uh, am I uh, articulating that the way that I'm hoping, Curtis? No, I definitely, I definitely agree. I, I don't think that God was ever, it was ever God's purpose for slavery. We don't even, we, we see God's perfect plan in Eden. We see that God has created this world where God, where mankind walks, walks with him and has a relationship with him. And we see that it was mankind who mm-hmm. severed that relationship and walked away. And I feel like slavery was one of those, one of those cultural things that just kind of was birthed out of the fall is one of those things that it was just evil has come upon the earth. We see that the principalities and the powers of the air, those who are over certain regions, we see that those, those people, we see eat the Pharaoh who was drenched in idolatry, drenched in, in, in worshiping of idols and, and all of these foreign gods of the Egyptian gods. And he was just, I, I would just say that he was basically just controlled by the enemy completely. We mm-hmm. look at it like a polytheistic mindset. We think that, well, these, all these gods were these, these fake things that they just worshiped. But the word of God tells us that anything that's against God is, is of the enemy, is the, of the devil, of Satan. And, this, and Satan has his own angels, his own demonic uh, hordes that follow him. And when people are following these, like the, like the Pharaoh, and they had these, these slaves, and they had these workers, and they, they forced him into slavery, that was definitely a work of the enemy. I, I truly believe is the work of the enemy, twisting mm-hmm. and contorting God's creation. Because who are we? We are image bearers of God. We bear the image of God, and Satan hates it. Satan hates it. Black, orange, yellow, white, tan. It don't matter what it is. You're an image bearer, man, woman. You're an image bearer of God. You bear his image. You, you have come to, and that, that just goes back to the resurrection and back to the ascension. We are come. What is the Lord's prayer? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are called to, is earth perfect? No. Did we, were we born into a perfect world? No. We were born with a sin nature, but we were, but God gave us his Holy Spirit so that we can proclaim and speak out and do his will. He's not going to make us do his will, but he's going to put his will inside of us. And, and he basically is going to like, let's see what they're going to do with it. What are they going to do with, with my word? And I, I look at like the 24-hour 24 24-hour uh, uh, IHOP movement, and you know what I see? I see people, God didn't say that they had to worship 24 hours, but they had it in their heart. If I'm going to, make, if I'm going to have something created on this earth, that's what I want. 
I want to praise God 24-7. I want God 24-7. I want my family to know what it feels like to have the presence of God 24-7. And God finds pleasure in that. And that's actually the goal that is, that's going to be refined. That's when, when he says that all, all things that can be shaken will be shaken. And, and if your works are wood, hay, and stubble, they're going to be burned up. I'll tell you what, what's going to be it's going to be gold. The gold stuff is when you get visions, when women and men get visions of God's will and they pursue it and they do it. This is getting off topic, but I don't know. This is where I'm, I'm feeling going. When they start doing it, like all of a sudden God's just, God's give you a vision of a church building and you build it. I guarantee that church building is not going to fall down if God gave you a vision of it because God is going to protect and he's going to provide. He is going to make his vision clear and he's going to he's going to make it happen. He's going to take you to that 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 promised land of your vision if you want to. and it's not going to it's even even when the antichrist all this stuff comes, he he is going to I I I I don't want to share cuz I don't want to share pearls. But the I, I want to say it like this without sharing pearls of of other people that that it may not want to be shared. But there are, there are things that we see on the earth that God has for the other side. There are things that God wants us to do. Not all things. Not all things will remain. But I truly believe that there are things that God that are gold and is silver. Not just us, but there are things. When I say things, I mean just things that are straight from God that he, he wants, he, he is putting inside people's hearts. I, I don't know where I'm going with, with all of it. I just got on a, I guess I just got on a tangent there. Yeah, I think you're perfectly fine, man. <laughs> and went on the other direction, but go on. No, I mean, honestly, I've really, uh, everything that I've like read and prepared for, I've pretty much already said, when it comes to women in ministry, so, pretty much, honestly. The grand finale. Dun, dun, dun. This verse will blow your mind. If you're listening right now and you stay tuned the whole entire time, this verse is one of my all-time favorite verses now. Romans. And I guess we can end on Romans. Turn with me to Romans chapter 16. Romans what? This is a verse that I've read in the New King James Version. I've read in the King James Version. But now that I, I've been doing my personal devotional, like just kind of, I want it just a fresh read of the New Testament. I've been reading the Passion Translation. And... I just love how this guy had has really used the pronouns she to introduce these people. I don't know why they and, and some of them they don't say she and, and, and sister and things. Some of them do, some of the people do, but not all of them. So I want to read this. Stay with me. Now let me introduce to you our dear beloved sister in the faith, Phoebe, a shining minister of the church in that location you can look it up i am sending her with this letter and ask that you shower her with your hospitality when she arrives embrace her with honor 
as is fitting for one who belongs to the Lord and is set apart for him. So provide her with whatever she may need, for she has been a great leader and champion for many. I know, for she has been that for even me. This is Paul writing to the people in Rome. So I want to pause first off for Phoebe. When a person, when Paul would write a letter and he would, the person that would deliver it, not only would that person just hand that letter over, that person would be entrusted with reading the letter in public to the church in front of everyone. And most likely, if they, if they, if they, let's say she did read this in front of everyone and most likely she, she did that, she would also be explaining what Paul would have meant in this letter. In Romans, everyone knows this is like the theological goldmine of Pauline theology. Romans is filled with Salvation Road. It's filled with all kinds of good, good, good stuff. And so we, we see that Paul entrusted a woman. A woman. He didn't entrust a man. I'm sure there was plenty of men out there. But he entrusted a woman to deliver the message. I am sending her with this letter and ask that you shower her with hospitality when she arrives. So if you're against women in leadership, you are obviously against the Apostle Paul in this letter and what he's <laughs> writing. Paul's also the same writer who wrote Ephesus. Why would he contradict himself with that one verse when he has so many other people that he is about to, I'm, I'm going to keep going. So provide her with whatever she may need, for she has been a great leader and a champion for many, I know, for she has been that for me also. Give, give my love to Priscilla and Aquila, my partners in ministry, serving the anointed one, Jesus, for they have risked their own lives to save mine. I am so thankful for them, and not just I, but all of the congregations among the non-Jewish people respect them for their ministry. So I want to pause here because it, there's no pronouns to announce that Priscilla and Aquila is a husband and a wife ministry team. They go out. Not only were they a ministry team, they were co-laborers, tent makers with Paul. Paul affirmed this ministry team. There's no way with a man like Paul, would, if he thought women could not minister, would he work with them? Would he be associated? There's no way. Yeah. It just wouldn't happen. And whose name was mentioned first, Curtis? Priscilla. Yeah. That says a lot in itself, especially in that day and Welcome time. Welcome to Battlefront Ministries, Ginger and Sean McCormick. It would be the same as saying Ginger in front of Sean. No offense. It's not that one is greater than the other. It's just you. you it, it is they, there was a purpose there. Yeah. There was purpose there. I think, you know. There is purpose like every t you know text we have in the biblical canon is inspired word of god and i believe you know that was a deliberate thing just even in that culture Amen. to put the woman's name first cuz you always in that you know day and time they always put the man like even today we like the woman always takes on the the man's last name you're right and like ditches her own but especially in that day and time uh, when you talk about the you know the households and the heads of like a families the man is always first but i think god purposefully deliberately had paul write priscilla first just to get that point across i mean i i 
I agree that the Holy Spirit did not inspire anything. Like I feel like every word is in the exact order that the Holy Spirit wanted it to be in, and it's purposeful. I definitely agree. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. I'm going to continue on and also give my greetings to all of the believers in their house church and greet up. And I'm going to butcher these names. So just bear with me. Maybe you can get a laugh out of it. A who was the first convert to Christ in the Roman, the Roman province of Asia for, I love him dearly and give my greetings to Miriam who has toiled and labored extremely hard to benefit you. So this is, uh, now we, we've already mentioned within this end of this letter, we've already mentioned three women. Make sure that my relatives, Andronoticus and Junia, are honored for they are my fellow captives who bear the distinctive marks of being called out. I lost my place, sorry. <laughs> For being called out, standing and well, uh, being outstanding and well known apostles. We see other places that the 12, the 12 disciples were not just the 12 apostles. Paul is not a 12 disciple, part of the 12 disciples, but he was also, he was affirmed of being an apostle. We see a Paul that Paul is affirming Junia, a woman, as being an apostle. Now there is, I'm not going to just brush over it and just say that there's not controversy, that Junia, that people wanted Junia to be a male, but most scholars, even scholars who do not take on the same side as women being in the ministry, all, I would say 90 to 95% agree that Junia, now with with modern day scholarship, is a, a female. There's really no way around it. There is some disagreement, but I would say unanimously, most people agree Junia is a woman. Uh, I think I think what happened there is a lot of people wanted Junia to be a man. And so we, I want to continue on. We have so now we now we see the apostle, which we we talked about. That's that's like the that's like the fivefold ministry. They're everything. They they have it all when it comes to being in leadership and ministry, prophet, teacher, pastor, evangelist. They hold all offices. And so now we want to continue on. Give my regards to Amplifatitis, whom I love, for he is joined into the Lord. And give my loving greeting, greetings to Urbanus, our partner in ministry, serving the anointed one, and also uh, Statius, whom I love. Don't forget to greet Apelius for me, for he has been tested and found approved by the anointed one. May we all be tested and approved by the anointed one. I, I hope all of our ministries are tried in the fire. I, I like, I just, I felt that whenever I read it the first time, I pray that my life is tried by the fire and is, and is found approved, not in my own eyes, but in the Lord's eyes. Extend warm greetings to all of those of Astrobolos house church. Give my love to my relative Herodian, and also to those who are of the, the church of Narcissus, for they too are joined to the Lord. Please greet uh, Typhonin and Typhosoa, who they, they are women who, who diligently serve the Lord, and to Persis, who is much loved and faithful in her ministry for the Lord. 
I send my greetings. And I just wanted to pause there for a minute. These women uh, were known as being luxurious. They had, they had money. They were wealthy. And one of them also were, uh, was known as a princess. She was royalty. So these, these women were not just women that were just, you know, found on the side of the road. Um, women that, w that had no renown. They had renown, and they accepted Jesus Christ. And all, also, I, I believe a lot of these people died a martyr's death. They died for Christ because of their witness and their preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Rufus, for he is especially chosen by the Lord, and I greet his mother, who was like a mother to me. I cannot forget to mention my esteemed friends, he mentions to some people, and all the brothers and sisters who meet with them. Give my regards, and also give all of, uh, all of the holy believers who meet with them. Greet, uh, I'm skipping names, because he mentions a few more names, and greet each other with a holy kiss of God's love. All believers in all congregations of the Messiah send their greetings to all of you. Now, in light of Philip having daughters who prophesied, and you just read it plainly, we don't even have to interpret, let's just read what the word says. Philip had seven virgin daughters who prophesied. Paul saying, when you do prophesy, wear a head covering. We never went in over that, we may in a second. Talking about Phoebe, who delivered the, the, the letter. Now we're talking about Junia, who was an apostle. We talk about Priscilla and Aquila, who were in ministry with Paul. We talk about Mary, who was, who was being discipled by Jesus at the feet of Jesus, taking the uh, position in the man's quarters at the feet of Jesus, and also being discipled to be a rabbi. So we see, we see that. We see Joel chapter 2, uh, men and women were going to prophesy. We're going to speak God's word. We see countless times of Paul and the other disciples affirming women in the ministry. No doubt about it. They are to continue on doing what God has called them to do. Maybe they aren't called to, the, to be in the ministry. It, not all men are called to be in the ministry. Not all people are called to be minister ministers in a ministerial duty in the church. But if they feel that call, I, I want to encourage, go for it. Because I've heard so many stories. Perry Stone's church was built on, on land by a woman who felt called to preach, and she never did, but she bought the land. Because they, they, no one believed in women preachers. The son came to Perry Stone and says, my mom bought this land and I know that she would, I can't remember the, the detail, the little details, but long story short, I want you to have this land or I want you to buy this land. And that is where Omega or whatever his o OCI is built on today is on a land of a woman preacher who I, I, I'm going to say it's, it is a shame that she did not get a go into her full calling. Maybe she went into a denomination that did not believe in women preaching, who suppressed because because the deacons and the elders are 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 fat and lazy and they don't want to get up and preach and, and actually they're they're fat and lazy in the spirit. They don't want to get up late at night. They don't want to pray. They don't want 
the church to be shaken up. They don't want to have to have to study to show thyself approved. They don't want to have to do any of these things. Because, but if a woman gets in there and shakes it up and she has passion and she loves the Lord and she's, she is living a holy life and she wants to preach God's word, let her preach. Let her preach. God, like we talked about in revival, God, and it don't matter what, church you belong to what congregation you belong to if you hold an office just like the evil the the bad kings and the bad priests of the old testament god let some of those people live and they did some bad things but eventually judgment comes god will god will be faithful for anybody who repents and anybody who turns away from their wicked ways god is faithful to forgive and have mercy on that soul i'm talking about the people who they are, have that Pharisaical. They are so drenched in religion that they can. They they would rather sit in a boring pew with the with with lifeless sermons because they they do, they want to hold back what the Holy Spirit has for their church in the in the members of that church and the members have no idea, have no idea, have no idea what it feels to be free. You're talking about slave. I'm telling you, there's more people here that are literally spiritually slave, spiritual slaves that they don't even know it. They, they, they have, they have never tasted and seen that the Lord is good. They've never tasted the power of the Holy spirit. And when and I, I'm saying this because what you were talking about, the fast that liberates people is the same fast that liberates women, the same fast that liberates churches, the same fast that liberates people, is the, is, is the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Is the, is, he is alive. He is alive. I don't even know how to say it other than he is alive and well. Amen. And, oh, man, he is alive. Hallelujah. <laughs> it's good stuff, guys. Hallelujah. Good word. Hallelujah, man. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Man, I just have really been enjoying this. This podcast has really been sharpening me. And I, re I really enjoy uh, hearing the feedback from people, questions that people have. If you have any questions, uh, I'm talking to the listeners. If there's anybody out there listening and maybe we just said something. We're human. We say stuff wrong. I know I get tongue-tied and all kinds of stuff we're human you know we're we're kind of shotgunning it a lot of the times we got some notes but we're shotgunning what, what we're saying if you have any questions or if you've seen seen something that i've said wrong write it in the comments let's let us we'll, we'll have a dialogue about it we'll we'll talk about it we can have a podcast show about it um but a lot of this stuff is truly just coming from the spirit of god and, and personally from my heart i have been I, we talked about this podcast. This has been one of the, this has been one of the, uh, topics I really wanted to really dive into. And I didn't ask you about it cause I didn't want me, I didn't want to, I didn't want to say anything. You said you were feeling it. And I was like, yes, I was so happy when you were feeling it, that you're just, you felt led to go into that. And I was just so happy. Because I just, I think that God is going to open up. I mean, think about it. Maybe it's not 50%, but around 40 to 50% of the world is female. How can we exclude half or 50% of the world from leadership and ministerial duties of the church? 
I'm not saying if it's God's will, then it's God's will. But it's, it obviously, we read the scriptures, women were affirmed in a culture that women should not be affirmed in. And so we, we now live in a more free society. Women, now I, I, we do see women being more free, but we should see it more and more and more. And not just in charismatic Pentecostal circles, non-denominationals. We need to see it in the Baptist churches. We need to see it in the Methodist churches. We need to see it in the Church of Christ. We, I'm calling out the denominations. We need to see women in your pulpits. We need to see it. And I will have a dialogue with you. We can be friendly. We can talk about it. But we need to see women released in ministry in your churches. Amen. I full-heartedly agree. I mean, I we've both seen how like God can use women in ministry and leadership roles. Uh, my mom, for certainly... The the things that God's done through her. Your mom, there is there is literally no not one more anointed person I know for a fact in Sparta, Tennessee, than Pastor Ginger Jared McCormick. She, if you have not listened to her preach or prophesy, if you have not, you don't even have to listen to her preach to know the passion she has for Jesus Christ. She has she carries the presence of God before she even preaches. That is called being anointed by the Holy Spirit. When she preaches, conviction falls, the Holy Spirit comes, and you better look out. If you aren't saved and you're not and you have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you're about to be. <laughs> I'm sorry I interrupted. I just had to throw that in there. Oh, you're totally cool, man. This is a dialogue here, but I I've we've both personally seen how God can use women. <laughs> Mom mom's preaching prayer her prophetic words and like even uh people like uh, elaine homer i've been to elaine homer conferences where she she's uh, an evangelist and prophetess and uh i've i've literally i i remember one time uh, uh a, a a young like teenage girl came up like just bawling uh bawling her eyes out and saying like she can't stop this particular sin of uh homosexuality and she goes up there and then all uh elaine homer does is just and she doesn't say anything to her and says, come out <laughs> and just like yells and touches her. And then I remember just seeing the, the girl fling back like five feet. And it took like five grown men like to catch her and hold her. And, and then, hey, she was free from any sin, any Amen. stronghold, homosexuality. Amen. And that came from a w- woman's hands empowered by God. That's just like Amen. an example that comes to mind, like as we're talking about this. Amen. Amen. I mean, look at look at Joyce Meyer's ministry. Look at Beth Moore's ministry. I think anybody any petty anybody that comes against ministry uh, these types of ministries that have benefited me personally, shame on you. Real, I I I am not ashamed to say it. Shame on you. You, you need to be reformed. You need to have a change of heart and mind. You, I think the Holy Spirit needs to grab a hold of you for a second. Shame on you. I don't have anybody personally in my mind. I, I'm just saying that spirit, and I, we need before we conclude this, we need to talk about the spiritual implications, why it is, why it is. There is a spirit of religion that comes upon a church. 
a spirit of religion that doesn't just come upon the church, it comes upon the world. And that's those the spirit we don't we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We're not here to we're not here to divide and we're not here to conquer and we're not here to into to be against pastors personally or teachers or people that are that are against women, but we are coming against that spirit, that spirit who comes in and as an angel of light and that spirit who would like to, to suppress women. And we all know that the the word of God says plainly that you can either only be a servant of God or a servant of the enemy, a ser- servant of your father, Satan, of, the, of this world, the prince of the power of this air, of the air. And so it is a very spiritual thing. And it is it is ransacked the world for for forever. But there, but we have to remember. Uh, Rick Pino said it this way: If you want to tear down a stronghold over a city, and that's a principality or a stronghold of a spirit that has over a city or a church or a person, you have to enthrone something stronger or has more authority than the enemy. And guess what? The Word of God says we are seated in heavenly places far above every other name. We are seated mm-hmm. in Christ Jesus. Yeah. And we have authority given to us because we are ambassadors. We carry the cause, image bearers, with the Holy Spirit empowering us to go forward and to conquer this spirit of religion, the spirit against women, the spirit against the Holy Spirit. Of course, I mean, of course, you you have to be so drenched in religion not to realize that the Holy Spirit is being is is being trying to be quenched by the church, and the church is just being a puppet for another spirit right. instead of being led. Because we we are designed to be led. We are designed to be like sheep, and we have one shepherd. And if we don't follow that shepherd, there is going to be another voice. And I am I, I, I'm afraid that we have a lot of people listening to other voices. And that voice originates. It may be maybe the enemy has different demons that he, he talks through, but it all originates back to that original to Satan yeah. himself. People, the enemy of our souls, the accuser of the brethren. Yeah, people really need to. Be, it's become such a common thing, like it's such a, like an acceptable thing and a lot of. Uh, Christian circles to just label anybody and everybody as a false prophet if they have uh, a theology uh, like a difference in theology or something pretty sure a false po- prophet or a false teacher is operating in the spirit of antichrist that's what a false prophet is that's saying that Jesus is not God that Jesus didn't rise from the dead if someone's preaching. yeah if someone's preaching that Jesus rose from the dead, that he is in the Trinity, that he died for your sins, and that Jesus is God. Um, You know, I'm pretty sure just because you have a theological difference with them, that doesn't make them uh, like a, a hell-bound false prophet wolf in sheep's clothing. That just means you have a difference with them. And uh, I think uh, if the Christian community is ever going to come to like a, a community like we're supposed to be, uh, or there's Baptists, Methodists, Pentecostals, Charismatics, Church of Christ, whatever it may be. Uh, just because we have like a theological difference doesn't mean we need to be labeling each other things. I believe, you know, we if you, if, if you believe the things that I just said about 
Jesus is God. Jesus is the Trinity. He rose from the dead and died for our sins. Those four main things. You're a brother or sister in Christ. If you believe those, if you Amen. If, if you have Jesus in your heart, just because we have a difference doesn't make you a false prophet. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But like what Curry says, now I do believe I will come against the like the idea that you have, that spirit of religion. But I'm not going to uh, label you a hellbound false prophet, false teacher, where we're, we can't even like have a community or commune together. That's not what God or Jesus or the Holy Spirit wants. He wants a unified body. Amen. Amen. Well spoken. Amen. Well, this has been a great a great message. I've really enjoyed it. Um, I'm ready for the next podcast. <laughs> um, every time we get together and we do this, it just gets more and more enjoyable. And I just, I, I just love it. I love talking about Jesus. I love talking about the word. And I'm, I hope the, the listeners here really enjoy the, the topics. If there's any topics that you guys are interested in that we can cover, please just leave a comment in the section below. And let us know what we can cover. What do you want to hear more about? Yeah. Um, we're going to be led by the Holy Spirit, but we also we want content that you guys are asking. Um, part of the mission of this podcast uh, that I saw, and I believe Joshua is on the same page, is that we want to equip the believers. We want to equip you guys with knowledge. We want to equip you guys with sound doctrine. We want to equip you guys and just edify you guys. Some of you guys may be on different playing fields and in your walk with Jesus. And so if you are, and there's questions that you have, feel free to just be open and ask those questions. I have tons of questions. Joshua has tons of questions. Um, I don't think there's gonna be a time in our life that we, we don't have questions. I think leaving on this, uh, being teachable is very important. And so, um, always remain teachable and always just be able to know that you don't know it all. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that I shared here today that I did not know before two weeks ago. Some of the stuff I did, some of the stuff I, I didn't, I did not know. And it really opened my eyes. And I, 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 now I will not look at certain scriptures the same way again. Yeah, I agree. And so be okay with that. Be okay with, with learning something new with, with, your viewpoint being challenged and the, the scripture is either going to say it or it's not. Mm -hmm. And so that's all, that's all I have, man. Yeah, so like, like you just said, if you have any questions regarding anything, whether it's this subject or literally anything else, leave it in the comments on whatever platform you are watching. Uh, TikTok, Facebook, YouTube, leave a comment. Let us know. We'd love to do more Q&A segments like we did in the last episode of the podcast. And uh, thank you for supporting. Be sure to share. We want to get this uh, to be more accessible to people. So please like and share. As we're getting uh, the these platforms built, it's important for the YouTube and TikTok and Instagram algorithms to hit the ground running. And when you like and when you share and when you comment, it's telling the YouTube computer system that, hey, people are enjoying this. This is getting engagement, so we're going to recommend it to more people. So that's what that impact that your feedback has on our social media platforms. I want to second that. If you guys 
if this has helped you at any at all, you know, do us a favor and just subscribe to our YouTube channel, like us on Facebook, whatever you can do, we would really just appreciate it. Every subscribe and every share really does matter. It does. It really it helps to uh, send out the word of God out to other people. And if you really felt like this really impacted your life, then you could you could send this to other people that it could impact their life also. Yeah. But anyways, this has been Battlefront Radio. We hope you have a God-blessed day, and we'll see you on the next episode.